Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our interview with Leanne Perkins. Leanne is the Assistant Treasurer at Specialized Bicycle Components and member of the Natcha Advisory Board. In the episode, we now focus on future proofing in the Treasury Department, its processes, systems, and much more. We're really keen on interviewing Liane as she is an amazing treasury advocate and simply a fantastic guest. You will soon discover how much in the episode. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is future proofing and how to achieve it in a treasury department. What is the role of diversity and inclusion in future proofing? What are the resources out there that can guide treasury professionals through this constantly evolving environment? Whether we can really make sure our systems are future-proof or not? And much, much more. Leanne's remarkable understanding of future-proofing in treasury, along with her proficiency in adapting to her film's work format, made for an immensely enjoyable conversation. If you enjoyed the episodes, like we did discussing with Leanne, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us and helps our podcast thrive. With all that being said, please welcome Leanne Perkins. Okay, just a note, Nicola. Um, I would really like to have a snippet um, on diversity and inclusion. So when she talks about it, please um, pick up a snippet, uh, the most relevant to you, but that will be great to have it. Even if it's a two-minute section, uh, this one is really important to have on the social medias. Thank you. I really like how you really insist on the fact that Treasury Department is not a, an entity or a department on its own. It really has to first take into account the objective of the company, of the business. How do we best support it? Having that baseline and then lead towards something that you brought up, uh, shareholder value. Could we dig a little bit into this? How do you create shareholder value as a Treasury Department concretely? Yeah. And and so just to... um expand on what you were saying you know i i definitely believe that treasury is both a front-facing and an interfacing department so front-facing that's everything with our banks our vendors our you know investors our rating agencies and our shareholders and then interfacing we are a department that is absolutely not siloed we have to be a part of of the business team and involved in in areas where we can help grow the company and future-proof it. So we interface with, you know, the traditional finance departments. There's tax, there's accounting, there's um, FP&A, but there's also legal and there's investor relations and there's sales and there's supply chain. So we are, are definitely that department that is involved in, in every area of helping the company succeed. And in terms of shareholder value, you know, the way we operate – needs to needs to be reflective obviously if you're um public or private company is still shareholder value and and we can influence in ways by ensuring that we can safeguard the financial assets of the company we can work in a way that impact positively impacts eps we have to control the financial risks of the company 
and we have to protect the financial return and the financial assets that we have. And in all those ways, we're ultimately at the end of the day protecting the shareholder value. And one way that I've most recently learned where treasury can impact shareholder value is on its reputation. And a lot of what we do in treasury, because it is so front-facing and it's so public, if we have a lapse in our controls or an area where fraud happens or anything that could potentially negatively impact the company, you're introducing reputational risk to the company and that at the end of the day impacts the shareholder value. So I think we have you know, a lot on our shoulders. We have a lot of positive influence that we can make, but at the same time, there's a lot of risk that we bear. And in order to mitigate that risk as best as possible, I think it really starts with ensuring you have the right people and the right foundation so that you can reduce these risks and you can manage what you do as a department to ensure only positive outcomes. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks a lot for this, Lian. Um, one of our favorite games on the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast is to chase and break down acronyms. Could you, could you explain what APS is exactly? Because I'm, I'm not aware of this one. Oh, sorry. Uh, EPS, earnings per share. Earnings per share. That's yes. important. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Lian, um, I'm curious. When you talk about future-proofing, and then you're also talking about technology, What's your take on like how technology, how fast technology is moving nowadays, right? It seems like every year, every two years, you're already obsolete versus what's in the market now. You have, especially in, in treasury, you have fintechs launching all the time. You have uh, new versions of DMSs launching all the time. And, and especially with this AI revolution that we're going on right now, can you really ever future-proof yourself well enough? Or yeah. how do you even do that with how fast technology is moving? I mean, I love it. I love that we have this technology evolve, evolving as, as fast as it is and that it's actually something that can be implemented into treasury solutions. So I, I love it. I think it's it's moving faster than, you know, I probably can keep up with. But I think that's the fun in it, actually. And I think, you know, you know I don't think you can really actually, you know, completely future-proof your technology i mean as, as things change you know i don't know that you can perpetually keep up because we have limited resources but i think the way you do that is you know with future-proofing the treasury department i think about it in a way that it's the treasury department anticipating future requirements future risks and so that we can ensure the longevity of the company so by doing that You know, you need to have a clear foundation, as we've, we've spoken about earlier, so that you can have technology inbuilt into your systems, but it has to be at a foundational level that you can grow from. And so, you know, you have to be able to scale. So we, we can't keep changing our systems. There's, there's switching costs for everything that we do. So that's, you know, that wouldn't make sense and wouldn't be operationally viable. But it's about having a good foundation. And I think where we are in this technology time is you you have to have a cloud-based system that's something that can be easily built upon and scaled as as technology changes and if you're using big reputable companies they're oftentimes bringing in updates and and changes to your system for you and then obviously you need to be trained on them so that's up to the treasury department to to keep in line with the training as well 
But I think also one way to do it as well is to ensure that you're either bank agnostic with your, your solutions that you put into place. And another way to do it is to have your own swift pick so that if you do happen to change TMS systems, you're not having to start from the beginning and, you know, connect all your bank accounts again. You just, you know, you're responsible for your pick and you move that over to a different treasury workstation. So I think those are, are two ways that you can scale as you go. But I think it's it's also about your mindset and not being afraid of technology. It's out there. We have to embrace it. Sometimes it's difficult for us, but we have to be able to to learn what's out there and what can make a better impact for our company if we embrace it. And and one thing that I definitely am enjoying embracing is Chat GPT, and it's I I think that is one of the most amazing inventions that is out there. And I'm really glad it's around. And I, I look so forward to how we can start implementing that into, into treasury as it gets, uh, as it grows legs, basically. Well, you're foreshadowing uh, a little project Guillaume and I are working on actually, but uh, oh, awesome. another time. Um, uh, we know, we know, <laughs> just a quick point there, Leanne, because we have, we've covered Swift and the corporate treasury one podcast, but we haven't covered BIC. Could you just quickly, Give us a, because you mentioned it. Yeah. What is BIC? So um, is this part of a little game, the, <laughs> the acronym game? Bank identifier code that goes along with um, your company. And oftentimes you would connect through the bank's BIC or their SWIFT code. So I think, you know, all, most treasury professionals are aware of um, each bank and branch has its own um, SWIFT identifier. So being in that code. And so when you create your own Swift pick as a company, that code and Swift address belongs to you. So when payments come in and out of your company, instead of going to your company name, they would be just um, connected to the Swift pick, which is basically your address with Swift. In my previous company, I had a fantastic treasury manager who had experience with creating a Swift big for the company and she brought this to my attention and that is how we basically future-proofed ourselves by when we needed to move TMSs we didn't have to start from the beginning and reconnect every bank that we were working with to our TMS system all we did was take our Swift address take it over to the new TMS and then they were able to um, redirect all traffic in in and out on the bank rails to this Swift address so I think it's a it, it's a lot of work up front, but I think it reduces the the back end work should you ever need to change TMS systems, your own Swift compliance when you have your own BIC. So it also ensures that you're keeping up with the regulatory side and the requirements of the Swift system. No, I love it. It's very it's a very practical tip. Yes. Um, for any uh, for any treasurers out there. I had another idea there as well, and you, you mentioned how important resources are and people are, right? And how important your team is in future proofing. Do you see any role of like this push towards diversity and inclusion and the importance of that in future proofing your organization? Absolutely, and I'm I'm glad you bring it up because you know, as we spoke about earlier, it, it's really it is the team who drive the change and who drive the improvements in anything that we do. And, and that goes for any function in a company, not just treasury. But 
I thought about this about a year ago, about the importance of hiring the right people and including diversity and inclusion into future-proofing treasury. And I came up with an acronym of what I think is really the, the right way to staff up a treasury department. And so I used the, the word dream team, and I'll go through the acronyms as we, we go through it. But the very first thought that I had was, you know, diversity. And it's, it's so important to have diversity in thought, in education, um, in your experience, and also in your personality. And the bigger your team gets and the more involved they in an, are in a company, you have to have people who, you know, have differences of opinions, who can challenge you. And I think when you bring in diverse people into your treasury department, I think it's it's only for the good of the department and ultimately for the company. So I, I think it's it's just genuinely important not to only hire people who think like you do, but who sometimes think outside of the box. Um, I am a person who is very creative in the way I think. I am not your typical treasury person who is very you know analytical. I think with both sides of my brain, actually. So a lot of my ideas come from a very creative side. And a lot of the finance team come from a very analytical side. To, so together, when we we brainstorm and we go through ideas, it's amazing how how much fun we can actually have in, in thinking through solutions and and challenges because we come from a very diverse experience and just sometimes ge geography as well. So my dream team is, you know, firstly, it's diversity. Secondly, it's recognizing everyone's competitive advantage on the, on the team. You have to hire people who are experts in technology and they really enjoy continuous learning. They have to be agile and unafraid of change. And I think we've spoken about that with automation. And the M is, you know, you, you want to hire people who are either mentoring others or wanting to be mentored because there is so much change going on in treasury, both in just you know, the actual treasury profession, but also in just how teams operate, particularly as we go through COVID and the, the remote era that we've gone through, you know, you need people who are, are willing to either help or ask for help. You have to be a tenacious problem solver. You have to be energetic and engaging. And I mentioned before, we have to be able to tell the story behind the data. And most importantly, you have to be motivated to excel and lend a hand to others. So to answer your question, I think the dream team is what you need. And it starts with being diverse in thought, in education, in experience, and just in what you bring to the table. Makes a lot of sense. And that's, I don't know, the world that comes to mind is beautiful. It's beautiful the way you, you approach it, uh, Leanne. I, I like it a lot. Thank you, Mike. I'm just thinking, so... Indeed, we, we focus very much on people and we already tackled a little bit with the, the YouTube tutorials and potentially reaching out to your, to your system, uh, vendor partners and the, the one that provides you with the TMS services. Any other resources um, that you could recommend or that you've seen in the place that could help people to develop this critical thinking, innovation approach um, and to challenge the status quo, sorry, think a bit outside the box. Where can we go to? Because... As every skill, I, I imagine that's something you can train, right? But right. where do you start when you want to approach such a neighbor? 
Uh, that is a great question. And I think the answer to that is your network. And I think I've been in treasury for 19 years. Like I said, I come from South Africa. So I moved to the US. I didn't know anybody here and I didn't know a lot about treasury. And the only reason I am still in treasury today and so passionate about what I do is because I immediately developed a network who was able to help me to understand where I needed to go, how to develop my career, who could help me along the way. And that is the reason why I want to be someone who gives back to the treasury industry and function as a whole, which is why I, anyone who knows me knows that I am an absolute advocate for the industry and the profession. I think your network is how you improve in life and anything you do but particularly in a, a very technical area such as treasury, you need networks who can help you, you know, when you're stuck with a, with a technical question, when you're trying to learn something new, or just when you're trying to understand how to manage in your, your environment that you're in, how to promote yourself, how to move up the, the treasury maturity ladder, both in your company and in your own career. And I told this to many people before but mike richards just loves this the saying that i have your network is your net worth and i think at the end of the day that's how you get things done you can youtube as we've spoken about i you know learn a lot from youtube i i learn a lot from my boss and from my other peers in in my company but i learn the most through my network and i i purposefully gone out and you know broadened my network i gotten myself a mentor i've gotten myself a coach and i also am working with others to to mentor them because as i said earlier i just want to give back to the community that has given so much to me and help me to get to where i am in my career and i want that to be a way that treasurers can uplift themselves and the function in the future so to answer your question if you want to grow and you you have questions go to your network and build it if you don't have one. Mm. And I think a, a great place to start for that is the NTAs, which stands for National Treasury Associations. I know they're pretty active in Europe. Uh, there is the EACT, so the European one, and then you have one for each country. Do you, I guess you have a similar setup in the US, right? So how does this network get together? Is there, is there such a thing? Yeah, there is. And when I first started my treasury career, my boss, was someone who I wanted to be like. I wanted to be a treasurer like him. And he had the CTP qualification in the US, which is the Certified Treasury Professional. And that is managed and administrated by the Association of Finance Professionals. So that's our treasury association in the US. And so I have been, uh, I have my CTP and I have my CTP for Canada as well. That's where I first started. And I've been volunteering and working on treasury committees with the AFP since about 2008. So I'm heavily um, involved there. And then I also, during COVID, I did the fellowship and the treasury license through the ACT in the UK. And the reason I did that is because I'm curious. I wanted to learn. And I knew that I had more treasury understanding that I needed to gain from global companies. So so I engaged there, I passed the exam. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but it was wonderful. I, you know, defended my dissertation and I'll, I'll say that YouTube learning got me through a lot of those <laughs> difficult 
um, learning sessions, but it, it, YouTube was great. But so I, you know, I built my network up both in, in the US and in um, Europe so that I can just have that broad network of individuals who I can lean on when I need them. And actually, one of my mentors is from the ACT in the UK. And so I have a very, you know, diverse and broad set of treasury professionals who I can lean on for questions in in all areas of my treasury career. So I think um, even in in South Africa, there's a, a treasury association and um, in Australia as well. So it's fortunate that treasury is getting out there. It's getting recognition around the world as an association and a leader in the industry. So I encourage people to always join their local association. That's where you get your best learning. You you make uh, a great network base and you, you also make great friends out of it too. Voila. So if you didn't know where to start and you are listening to this right now, here is the first step to build your network. And I love this quote, then your net worth. One of the main treasury missions, um, Leanne, is to deal with uncertainty, right? And mitigate the risks linked to it. And maybe the last question that I would like to ask in regards to this future proofing is how can treasurers adopt a rather low risk appetite approach in their day to day business? but yet keep an agile and flexible attitude towards change and embracing innovation and all the beautiful yeah. things. Yeah, no, I, you know, I have the saying that a tsunami starts with small detectable waves. And so we know as treasury professionals that we have to be risk aware. We cannot be a department that uh, is afraid of change or afraid of risks. We are not immune to the risks around us and I believe that this is a major part of our job is understanding we live in a very risky world. So what do we do about that? We got to start with knowing that, knowing that the risks are all around us. We have to understand where the risks coming from that impact our companies and our um, job functions and then understand ways how to mitigate them. And I think it's really important for for people to also know that risk does not respect organizational structures. It's going to come at you from wherever it it does. It's going to impact all parts of the company. So in treasury, your solutions have to be global in nature. They cannot just be ones that protect the corporate office or you know a particular region in time. You, the solutions you put in have to be ones that help the company in its entirety. And importantly, in treasury, we got to treat the causes of the risks and not just the symptoms. So it means there is there is a lot that we have to look after. There's a lot that we have to know is coming at us. There's a lot of risk mitigation solutions that we've got to put in place, got to um, look for solutions. Uh, we, we've, we're always got to be aware of what's out there and could be coming at us. So it, it's kind of a stressful job, but it is what it is. But we also have to know that we can't be afraid of change because if we don't change, we're going to be left behind. And I think, you know, my my thought about it is that, you know, treasury is going to be the vaccine and not the medicine, if I can borrow from the, the COVID times. But we've got to be that department that puts into place things up front that are going to help us in, uh, mitigate the the impact that could come at us later down the road. 
And this goes for everything, such as, you know, the way we work, the foreign exchange processes that we put in place, the automation and the tools we put in place, as well as the people that we're hiring. Beautiful, beautiful sentiment there, Leanne. 